things that full of space wasps and they were going to attack. That's probably the case. And when it, when when moon space wasps attack, I'm just going to be like, yeah, I told you guys. I told you the moon sucked and that it's been incubating wasps. Nobody listened to me. Of all the things that that are that that are unbelievable about the the original Independence Day, I want to know, and I'll, maybe we'll ask Matt Lanza this because he would know. Uh, how is it possible that that huge spaceship? Like just sort of appeared on the other, like from behind the moon. Like it had, like that's where NASA really let the country down was when they did, <laughs> not when they didn't see the space, the alien spaceship coming. Uh, yeah, they. But the thing is that they did see it, and they had like laser ships ready to go. That they just didn't tell us about it. Yeah, uh, you can't alert the Earth people about a alien spaceship. They're like, oh shit. Well, let's just let's just see how this plays out. And you can't. Nah, when they show up like Independence Day and they're like over the city, it's like, yeah, they're here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, if they're in space, we're like, let's just see if they just stay in space. <laughs> they can't see up here. Like, let's just let's just see how this plays out. Like, you're not going to announce and, and create panic. That's going to be an awesome question for Matt. I love all the, there's a bunch of videos of like random anomalies being caught in, in like, uh, international space station cameras or uh, different things and you just see these weird moving things you're like well, okay, what is that though I'm gonna wait until 3am uh, do a conspiracy hour at 3am no, I'm, I'm sprout probably, what we're doing yeah and, and instead of watching the OU uh, Ohio State game tomorrow night I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna watch I'm going to bed tomorrow night I was gonna say <laughs> doing what the fuck are you doing like 705 <laughs> I'm like wow motherfuckers I'm out <laughs> No, Kami's looking at me like you got to be kidding me. No, we're, I'm not. No, we'll watch. We'll, you can watch the. Oh yeah, you're, you're gonna talk to your wife like a, a loving husband. You you son of a bitch. Yeah, I love you. I know. Not you, Pat. <laughs> I mean, I mean, sort of. All right, let's call Matt Lanza. All right, let's do it. Ready to call him now? Yeah, let's do it. We do need some like call music or something. How? I'm curious, Pat. How how have you not gone to the bathroom yet? Because I'm not a fucking piece of shit. Like, I, I'm a normal person that doesn't... Like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm just a normal person that doesn't go to the bathroom. Like, it's just three hours ago. It's, that's a long time. It's not. I'll ask Matt Lanza about Hello? I'll ask, you, I'll ask Matt Lanza about you. How about that? <laughs> What's up, Matt? Hello? Hey. Hey, it's James. How are you doing? Good, James. How are you? I'm great. We have some. We have. I'm here with with Patrick and and Tim. Uh, I'll let them say hi. Uh, yeah, hi. Hello. I like I like weather. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know what to say. I just like come up with. After after the last couple of weeks, I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't like it. Uh, it's not the best. <laughs> I want to I want to open up with a very serious question that we were talking about before you came on. I don't know if you were listening, um, but as you observe the natural world that's around us, how is it possible that the government didn't notice in Independence Day that there were aliens like on the other side of the moon? <laughs> what? That that's a serious question. Uh, I, I don't know. I got nothing there. <laughs> so. Well, so we've been, we've spent a lot of time, obviously this, this whole 24 hour, you are now the first guest in hour number three, uh, and we've got 21 more hours to go. Um, you guys are rocking it. It's sort of, it's, <laughs> there's been high points. Take the compliment. Just take hey, it. hey, thank you for that compliment. We are rocking it. Thank you, Matt. Um, You're welcome. We've, we've talked a lot about, 
uh, talking to people that we've had on about the uh, about the hurricane, about Harvey. At what point? And, and you had a really, uh, I was telling, I was telling them earlier, like a pretty powerful sort of how this how this storm affected you. At what point did you kind of look at the radar and think, uh oh, this might this might not be good? Well, so it was a combination of things. You know, the first, when I came, when I came to work on Monday, you know, the week before it was like, yeah, we're going to watch it, we're going to see what happens. When I came to work on Monday before the storm. You know, you're just kind of looking at the data, and you're you just see everything sort of coming together. Like, okay, this is going to be a heavy rainfall event. You know, we have like six of these a year, right? You know, but this one has a hurricane involved with it, so uh, this could be more interesting. You know, and it just every day went on that week, it just got progressively worse and worse looking. Um, and you know, once it started raining, it was actually kind of interesting that that Saturday, you know, it rained rained a bit. I know there were some tornadoes around in the morning, and um, you know, there were some people by Saturday afternoon when the rain had sort of tapered off, they were like, oh, this thing's a bust. You know, this is not going to happen. And, you know, I'm just sitting there looking at weather model data, and, you know, to be frank, my, my reaction was, oh, shit, this is not going to be good. Um, and you could just see everything coming together that was going to produce just ridiculous amounts of rain, you know, somewhere in the Houston area um, that Saturday night and a Sunday. And it's it's not often that you can do that and and – come across with like, hey, I have a high confidence forecast that somebody's going to get 20 inches of rain in 12 hours. You know, that's, that's just not how this usually works. And to see that, was, it, was, it was unsettling. It was really unsettling. But it was Saturday afternoon. I just had a pit in my stomach, you know, because you know it's going to come and it's not going to be pretty. So I guess is there uh, – I'm, I'm not – we don't want to get political because, you know – for, for a lot of reasons, but, but is there a point where you can look and say like, okay, this, what, what happened in Houston and what's about to happen, what's happened all through the Caribbean, what's about to happen in Florida, like there's something weird going, like, is there a climate change denier, is there a case to be made to say like, look, this is just one of those things that happens, or is there something going on that, that is easily explained and it's, it's man-made? I think a lot of people with the climate change argument and, you know, to be clear, it's happening. You know, there's, I won't get into, you know, too much to, to make it too controversial here, but just look at it, stuff. It, yeah. I, there, there's a fingerprint. There's a fingerprint on a lot of these events that exist, you know, that, that maybe didn't exist in the past, you know, that just makes them a little bit worse or a little bit different, you know, and it's not, it, it's not something that can really stand out and, and you can see clearly. I mean, look, we've had, you know, back-to-back-to-back major, you know, strong hurricanes in the Atlantic. We, we've had situations where we've had multiple hurricanes in a row. You know, if you look, um, I remember in the 1995 hurricane season, there were two storms that went back-to-back through the Caribbean islands that were strong. Um, you know, that's kind of what you have now with Irma and then Juan behind it. Um you know, so it's not necessarily unprecedented that you saw what happened in 2005 when we had like 11 billion storms uh, that season. Um, you know, so it, it's not unprecedented, but I think it, it gets it gets tough to to stand out above the noise, I guess, because you know, the whole climate change thing has become so politicized that you can't really make that argument without somebody shouting it down or somebody, you know, trying to to shout too loud about it. You know, because. It, Weather is weather. It's always been crazy. It's always been wild, but it's maybe a little bit different now, and it's going to get 
more different as as we go further out in time. And you know, some people might say whatever that's natural and that's just how it is and whatever. You know, but my my whole thing with climate change now is I don't really care so much about the causes is that I know that weather is extreme. We have a lot of people. We're building in places that maybe we weren't building before that we shouldn't be. We need to make ourselves more resilient to things. And, you know, that's going to naturally help against all the climate change scenarios that are out there. But it's something we need to do anyway. You know, that's just common sense. I mean, you look at what happened in Houston. We need to build smarter. We need to be smarter about how we're doing things. And that's really just, you know, it's a conversation that we have to have going forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So, James, is anybody else here? If I know like, I hear, like, what's going on? I thought, I thought you were going to ask a question. Um, Why would you think I was going to ask a question? When have I ever asked a question? <laughs> ever. I don't know. I, I, I support everything he says. He's right. So, um... You, you, as we were kind of setting this up, Matt, you, you, we found that we had some, a little bit of a similar background and different places that we lived. Um, as far as taking, and, I, and this is sort of the equivalent of like, other than that, Mrs. Kennedy, what'd you think of Dallas? Um, other than, <laughs> and, um, other than Harvey, like what is the, what is the most extreme kind of weather, weather thing that you've come across. It doesn't have to be limited to something that you've been through. Like, do you keep an eye on, on like the entire world? Like, are you looking in the Pacific for things just given, given your professional background in your history? Are, are you, are you, do you stay sort of close to the U S you know, the main focus is Europe, but yeah, I, I do look globally too, um, you know, to some extent to keep it, keep tabs on things. And I think it's natural for, for most meteorologists. I mean, we all kind of have, if you ask any meteorologist how they became one, they all have the same story. It was all like at the age of three to five, something happened and we're like, oh, we really love weather and that's what we want to do. And we knew from that age that that's what we wanted to do forever and that's where we are. Um, so it's like you're, you're a geek about this stuff and you just like it and you follow it um, no matter where it happens. Um, I, I think, thinking of like some of the more extreme things, I think, um, at least I've seen in my career to this point, Hurricane Sandy obviously stands out. Um, you know, me being a, a native of New Jersey, that, that one kind of hit personally a little bit. Not, not as much as Harvey, but um, to some extent. And, I, I mean, it's interesting when you do research this, because one of the other things I do with the, the Space City Weather Center, I started kind of doing um, sort of stories on old Houston weather that maybe people forgot about or didn't realize. And one of the ones I did... Back in uh, back in February, was on a snowstorm that hit in 1895 and dumped 20 inches of snow in Houston. And I just think about that now, and I'm just like, what would people do if that happened today? Like they freak out, you know? I know there was a there was a storm in 2004 on Christmas Eve that was south of Houston mostly, but I mean, like you get 20 inches of snow in the city of Houston, what's going to happen? You know, the whole city's going to shut down and go nuts. So I think that's pretty extreme um, in terms of things that I've ever come across, and that's kind of one of those things that I say is like one of the most out of place weather events I've ever seen. Oh yeah. I am going to ask a question. I Go jumped ahead. in crazy here. So that, so th that storm we've seen the only, the only times that Houston floods like that is when storms do stall out over the city like that, not moving very fast. What happened that made that storm go one mile an hour? And then once it got to the city, it was it was pulling feeder storms off the, off the Gulf and it was just like feeding them into the city and we were just done for it. There was nothing we could do. Yeah, it, it sucked, um, and it was, it, was a, it was just a horrible, horrible setup. It was worst-case scenario. Like it was, and there's just there's no way you can get around that. Um, 
so you know what what you know not to get too meteorological speak on you but you know what happened was that there was an area of high pressure in the eastern gulf that was preventing harvey from going off to the east so harvey's got to come west then at the same time, you have this big old bat high pressure system developing out in the western U.S. You know, right after Harvey, San Francisco had their hottest day on record. Um, so this was a, a really serious, you know, area of high pressure. And what that did was prevent Harvey from going much to the west or the north. So Harvey can't go to the east, can't go to the west. It's stuck. Um, and it just ends up meandering. There's no real, there's nothing really to steer it or push it or move it. And it's going to be kind of at the whims of how these, you know, areas of high pressure wax and wane, basically. Um, you know, and it took sort of, you know, that one to the east to kind of get out of the way to allow Harvey to start to, you know, creep back out over the Gulf and then into Louisiana. So it just ended up being a horribly timed process. You know, these things happen a lot, kind of, you know, these sort of setups, but you don't always have a hurricane kind of right in between, and unfortunately that was right over Texas, and that's kind of what screwed us over. How many storms have you seen develop like that, where it it almost appears, I know it was like a bunch of different storms that were kind of, I don't know, disenfranchised isn't the right word that I'm looking for, but they it literally just materialized as a perfect storm. If you watch the, the time lapse on the on the radar, it was pretty amazing thing to watch, honestly, until it's over your city flooding everything. But it just showed up out of nowhere in perfect hurricane formation. I know it wasn't out of nowhere, but you know what I mean. Like it just was suddenly it was just a hurricane. It's like, oh, okay, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, you you basically had the the center of the storm was to our west and it was gradually kind of creeping to the east a little bit. Um, I think it was east of Victoria at that point. You have all this moisture coming out of the Gulf, um, kind of in a constant stream. And then basically you had, you know, uh, kind of talking to some meteorologists at the time to sort of, you know, make sure I wasn't going insane with what I'm looking at and, and make sure that, you know, I could sanity check myself a little bit. Um, you know, we, we were seeing a couple of funnel boundaries kind of set up over, over the city. So it's not uncommon for this to happen. We also had kind of a, a lot of people forget there was a cold front that came pretty far south. You know, normally we don't have cold fronts in August in Texas. Right. Um, but this one came all the way into Texas and basically stalled out, fell apart north of Houston, and that kind of added just another focal point, I think, to all the moisture that we have in and around the city. It was just a, a horrible confluence of factors. I mean, I, you don't like to say that you'll never see something like that again, but it's going to be tough to see a setup that that it's just that insane again i think in, in in our lifetimes i really hope so at least yeah let's root for, let's root for that let's go for nope. not happening yeah let's yeah, if no, we can, no. let's let's do that um the so there are because i pay attention to to baseball whenever whenever someone like whatever someone like john morosi like tweets about the tigers or says something about the tigers like i pay attention because that dude is like plugged into he's pure Michigan. Like Tim Allen basically like recorded his voicemail. Um, is there a, cause with all the models that, that y'all get and they, that you look at, is there a model that when, when it, when you see that model, you think, okay, that, that one, I'm going to pay attention to that one just because of what that like Is there, is there like a, a like a 538 like polling, average of like the best models like that all right when that says this then i'm gonna start paying attention 
Yeah, so there, there's always, and you may have, it's actually been, it's been weird as a meteorologist, to be honest with you, and this was actually, this happened in the wake of Hurricane Sandy. Um, you know, you started seeing people on the news like, well, here's the American model, and here's the European model forecast, and, you know, it's just like, man, this is crap that we used to look at, you know, behind the scenes. This isn't really for the average individual to, to look at, you know, to really care about. Um, but, you know, there, there's a number of different models that are run all over the world and in the U.S. Um, and it is true that the European model definitely has an edge over the uh, model that is run here in the U.S. called the CFS. Um, you know, the Europeans, and not that the U.S. isn't trying, we're trying very hard, um, you know, to kind of catch up with them. Um, but the Europeans have just, they just have a scheme that works better. Um, and it just seems to, to model a lot of these events better. And it's not perfect by any means, but, um, you know, when you start to see it and, and you know, to, to the GFS and the American model's credit, it also did a pretty good job with Harvey. If you look at how it's handling Irma right now, it's a totally different story than that the European is, is pretty much taking the GFS to the woodshed. Um, but, you know, when you look back at Harvey, they were all sort of saying the same thing with a few differences and a few tweaks here and there, you know, but they were both spitting out, you know, hey, here's 40 inches of rain on this run, here's 50 inches of rain on this run. And, you know, it was all kind of meandering somewhere between Victoria and Houston and Beaumont. Um, you know, so th that was one of the things about Harvey that was kind of unique. So it was an extremely high confidence forecast. You didn't have anything saying that it wasn't going to be a big rain event. You just had these absurd numbers that, you know, you had had trouble, uh, you know, believing at the time. But in general, you know, the European model is, is what we call king um, at this point. And, um, you know, they have an ensemble that's run that has 51 different variations on that one model and they run it and you can look at that and get kind of a perspective on, you know, what the spread is within the model and things like that, you know, so that, that's the one we look at, I think, the most, um, you know, but the Americans are, are certainly, we're, we're trying, we're trying to catch up. Pat, you got anything? It's a great battle. Well, no, I, I, I don't like storms. I'm, I'm, I'm really against them now. I liked them before. <laughs> They're majestic and powerful in a sense where it's awe-inspiring, but at the same time, it's like, they will kill you. What about everything that's happening now in the Atlantic? I know that kind of ties into what you were Crazy. just talking about, but uh, I mean, it's happened a few times. I know people are acting like it's unprecedented because of Irma being the strongest storm out of the Atlantic, but I mean, that's going to happen. You're going to break some records sometimes, so, I mean, it, it's, mm -hmm. but it's twice the size of Andrew, so that's kind of scary. Yeah. It's, it's a scary storm. Um, you know, it's just, I, you know, you're kind of uncomfortable all week just kind of watching this and you, you know what's coming to florida you know so, somebody's going to end up getting getting hit very hard from it um one of the challenges and one of the real real big challenges for irma has been you know what what part of florida is going to get it you know is it going to be the east coast is it going to be the west coast is it going to be the entire state um and and that's been kind of the thing is like yesterday going into this morning it kind of looked like okay you know miami's going to take the worst of it and now tonight there have been changes in the models and since since uh, this afternoon actually it's been some changes that shift a little bit further to the west and, and now it looks like you know naples fort myers and maybe even tampa are going to get you know the heart of the storm and miami you know while still a bad storm isn't going to get it you know as bad um you know so it's challenging you know because there's people from miami that are fleeing and some of them are probably going to go like toward tampa and now if the storm's going to come to tampa well now what do you do um you know so florida is a unique challenge because it's so, so narrow across and it just sticks out 
you know, so it's an open target, and, you know, it's Hurricane Alley for a reason. Um, it's been hit many times before. It's going to get hit many times again, and, you know, it, if you live there, you almost have to assume that risk. You have to I expect have a clue. to happen. You know, it's it's just it's one of those unfortunate things. Um, but the Atlantic's been crazy. It's been a wild year. We kind of feared it was going to be a busy year. I think the pace of things in the last four or five weeks has been a little surprising, um, you know, just the intensity and the impacts and everything. Um, but, you know, it's it's just one of those years. So that, it doesn't surprise you at all? Like you said, it's a little bit earlier than anticipated, but it's not something that you're like, you're not thrown off by the fact that there's that much activity in the Atlantic? Because people are acting yeah, like it's Armageddon, like, oh, my God, there's a fire in L.A., there's an earthquake in Mexico. There's, It's like, okay, everybody, calm down. Let's just, <laughs> Stuff can happen. Like, everything bad can happen at once. It, it is one of the scenarios that is possible. Yeah, it, it, it really, it's one of those things, it's like, you, know, you look at the Atlantic during the season, the water temperatures are extremely warm. You know, it's like, okay, well, if we can get the right set of ingredients to come together, this is not going to be a fun year. Um, you know, and you're just kind of watching it. That, that's the problem, and, and it's one of the things I read about in, in sort of my retrospective is that hurricane season sucks because it's, it's a marathon, man. I mean, you're just looking at this stuff for, for weeks on end, you know, and when you see a storm coming, it's not like until three or four weeks later that you're finally done with it. Um, you know, so it, it can really wear you down. Um, but, you know, so we're watching this stuff all year, and it's just kind of like, well, this is this is probably going to be a busy year at some point. Um, you know, again, like I said, the, the pace just in the last four or five weeks has been, you know, ridiculous. It's been relentless. Um, so I think that's been kind of the real sort of shock to everybody. And, and, you know, the Atlantic's been quiet for the last 10 years with a few exceptions. I mean, you had Sandy, you had Matthew last year, you had Ike, obviously, that uh, impacted this area pretty hard away. Um, you know, but for the most part, outside of, you know, those and a couple other smaller storms, it's been really, really quiet. And the U.S. has been very fortunate um, that we haven't had a lot of significant hits. So I think there's also the sense of, you know, you got to see it to believe it. So you're, you're kind of going into the season thinking it's probably going to be busy, but yeah, okay, you know, show me it and then maybe I'll believe it. So it's you. So like 2005 was the last crazy year. That was when Rita yeah. and I and uh, Katrina and. Yeah, was, you know, Rita, Katrina, Wilma. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Charlie, Charlie in Florida was 04, 05. That was a, that was a crazy. And we've been going with nothing. Like nothing's been happening, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So yeah, so people get used to that. And they're like, oh, this is status quo. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, there's three storms. And they're like, oh, the world is ending. It's like, okay. <laughs> it, it's it's funny though because I mean you hear you hear these stories about you know I think people become complacent to an extent and you know there's been continued population growth. I mean. Florida's exploded. Obviously, we've seen Houston, um, you know, kind of blow up here in the last ten years. Um, you know, so people keep moving to these places, and you know, it's you can live with it, you can manage around it, and but you just have to understand that that's a risk and that's going to happen at some point. Um, and I, I, you know, I think that the, the sense of complacency takes over a little bit. I know there were there was a story in Florida about them wanting to relax building code laws uh, earlier this year. And you're just kind of like scratching your head. Why? I mean, you haven't been hit in a few years, but if Andrew comes along again, you know, why would takes you do that? Yeah, you know, and it, it just gets, it's very frustrating sometimes, you know, especially as a meteorologist, I understand that if people can become complacent and just kind of tune it out and forget it. But you just know that, you know, it's just the law averages. You know, it's like baseball. You're going to have, you're going to have luck, right? You know, you're, right. you're, you're B-A-B-I-P. It's, we've been really, really lucky the last 10 years, 
And, you know, now they're not as lucky anymore. And that's, you know, just kind of reverting back to the mean. That, that's, that's a good analogy. I'll take that. So, to, yeah, to, idiots. To that's continue, all I have to say, dude. <laughs> to continue the, um, the baseball analogy, and whether it, what is it about the, the, the models that one is, is it like that Europe has more access to information that like a better analytics department than, than the U S like how, how is it that, that you can get like out played <laughs> with weather? Like what, what is it? it, it it's, it's challenging. And I, you know, I don't even, it's tough to explain. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, a lot of how you're modeling things has to do with how you're taking that first snapshot, right? Because, you know, all these models are is it's predicting the future and you need to be able to have a good starting point to start from in order to predict the future. And I think what they do in Europe is their, their, um, what we call their initialization scheme or their model, how they start running their model is just more sophisticated than the one we have here. It's different. You know, it's, it's not to say that the one we have here is, is complete garbage or something, but it's just done differently over there. And I think it has a lasting impact as you go out, you know, five, 10 days, no weather forecast. It just makes it a little bit more reliable um, and more realistic than, than sometimes what you see here. Um, especially once you get, you know, past day 10, it all becomes kind of a joke, but um, you know, it, it, I, the Europeans just do it a little bit better. Um, you know, there's also a group in the United Kingdom that's that's running their own model that actually did a pretty good job with Irma here. Um, you know, and they've they've reformatted how they do things in recent years. So, you know, the U.S. is going to get there, and you know, they're doing their research, and I, all I can say is I hope they figure it out. You know, why is it something like that globalized? Right. It's a good question. Well, one of the problems in the U.S. is that when you have data here because of, you know, open government laws and everything, that stuff has to be publicly accessible. In Europe, they charge you a, a lot of money to view that data. Really? Uh, it's sort of okay. like a, a consortium of universities and government agencies, and I think there's, I think there's some private entities involved with it, too. Um, you know, for, for a meteorologist, you're not going to pay the money that they're, they're asking for, but you'll get a lot of the data through third parties that will pay... I don't know how much it was. I think it was like two hundred and fifty thousand bucks a year for a license. It's 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 a Jeez. steep amount of money um, to get it, but you know they know it's good and there's demand for it, so they can charge it. So, um, and I guess that they take that money and they use it to further improve their model, which is a little bit different than the U.S. You know, we don't have that advantage here. Uh, what you're seeing in the U.S. though is you're starting to see a lot of private companies kind of start running their own thing. I know IBM's been advertising that they've been running their own. Um, uh, model and experimental mode for Irma, and they've shown a couple things from it. So there's going to be more competition out there um, for the Europeans and within the U.S. So and competition can usually be a good thing for this sort of stuff. So here's hoping. It works. I'll take it. I like it. So, so to 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 get away from weather and horrible situations and 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 whatnot. What is right. what? what what is your favorite Astros team of all time? Well, it's interesting. So uh, I'm a new Astros fan. So growing up in Jersey, I grew up as a Phillies fan, right? Uh, Ugh, yuck. And yes, yeah. So so when I was living in the Northeast in, in 2000, uh, 2008, that was sort of like the highlight of my fandom in sports when the Phillies won the World Series. Um, so when I moved to, before I moved to Houston, when it was, when it was apparent that we were probably going to move to Houston at some point, you know, I wanted to start to follow the teams locally and try and adopt them. You know, you want to make a home, you want to move to the home team. 
Um, and I started following uh, various different Astros blogs that were talking about the minor league system, and I was just kind of watching all these all these prospects come in. And I'm like, man, you know, these guys are going to be good in a few years if, if they can develop this talent properly. Um, so I, I jump all in, in, I think it was 2000, 2011 or 2012. I'm like, you know, this is a team that, that it's going to be really good and good to root for. Um, and Those so, were some you know, good my, years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was going to some of the games was, was certainly interesting, but, um, you know, watching them and watching the ball from kind of a, a thing on paper to, whoa, you know, holy crap, this team might actually do it here. Um, hopefully, uh, is, it's been pretty awesome to watch. So it's been a different kind of rewarding thing. Um, but I, I do remember the old five team, uh, very well. And I remember living in upstate New York in my half subterranean apartment, watching the, uh, the world series and, and just kind of being upset because I was, I was definitely rooting for the Astros that year. So it's, it's, uh, it's been interesting. <laughs> Welcome uh, aboard. Yeah. So, so who, uh, which which team do you prefer? Is it do you prefer the 2015 team or this current 2017 team? Ooh, that's a tough call. Good mom spot. Yeah, <laughs> the 15 team was really like it wasn't like a, a huge huge surprise, but it was just so surprising how well they were doing for so long, and um, they they were just really fun. I, I think yeah. the unexpected nature of it made it made it just a little bit sweeter. But I mean, this team's been I mean, just especially earlier this year when when they you know rattled off I forget how many it was ten in a row or twelve in a row or whatever. Um, you know, it was just it was just awesome because you know you're just expecting all right, how, how many runs are going to score tonight, right? How big is the pitching going to be tonight? Um, you know, so it, it's it, it's a tough call, but I would probably lean fifteen for now. But I think I'm hoping that will change. I kind of I agree with that. I, this team's better a baseball team. That 2015 team is one of the most fun teams of any sport I've ever watched ever. Yeah, Club Astros, and like it was kind of the beginning of this winning culture where they were having fun. They didn't care. A bunch of young guys playing ball like that. That was the start of whatever this is that that they're doing now. So I, I love that that 2015 team. Totally, and you know it's funny. You know, having having been a Phillies fan, it reminded me a little bit of the '93 Phillies team. You know, that nobody expected to do anything, and they went to the World Series, and then Joe Carter did what Joe Carter did. Um, yeah, he did. But that. you know, it was just it was just sort of they were fun, they were loose, it was great. And, you know, and it, yeah, it was really enjoyable. So, what are the what are the models saying for the Astros in the postseason? Is it a, is it a <laughs> European model showing a, a world? Is a European model? Yeah, How, is it favorable? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to jinx anything here, so uh, no. This is off the record. AKA on the record. Don't don't let tricky. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, I, I'm expecting a deep playoff run this year. That, that's that's Ooh. all I'm going to say. Love it. Love it. I think that's, right. that's fact. I think we can lock that in. That's history. We got it. We got the <laughs> we got the soundbite we needed. That's right. We can run yeah, lock that in. Lock that in. So six months from now, y'all can come back at me and, and curse yeah. me and whatnot. That's why. That's why we want to do it. We like dadgum American models screwing everything yeah, up. Yeah, the Europeans got everything right. They they were they were supporting the Astros. Americans were like, nah, Houston's dumb. <laughs> the Europeans were all about it. They knew. They just knew. Just knew. They had the better models. It is what it is. If you don't, if you don't follow Matt at Matt Lanza, uh, L-A-N-Z-A, or if you don't, if you're in in Houston and you don't follow at Space City WX, then you're then you're dumbass. Not, truth be told, 
Yeah, you're a complete freaking moron. So you deserve Idiot. you deserve whatever floods coming your way. So check out Matt, Matt. And, and Space yeah. City Weather. Great people around here. <laughs> yeah, that's our thing. <laughs> um, if, like I said, if you don't already, you, then then you definitely should. So Matt, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for having uh, having me on, and I hope uh, hope more people can donate and help out Houston because it's a it's a wonderful thing, and every little bit helps. Rock and roll, man. Thanks for coming on. I'll, I'll, I'll be harassing you online for whatever reason. I don't know why I would do that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know I don't know what that means. Let's move on from this. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. Thank you guys so much. All right. Thanks a lot.